3: well, hi, everybody, and welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Paul DeTino, Lance Metta with you. The phone number is 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants chat. Get up, get on there, get on the phones. We'll take your calls. This will be a big caller show. As we have some news, the Giants have hired a new general manager. The first man they interviewed in the preliminary interviews – The first man they interviewed in the finalists, Joe Shane, assistant general manager from the Buffalo Bills, is now going to be the next New York Giants general manager. I'll have a couple quotes from the powers that be here. So I'm going to give them to you before we get some opinions and then get to your phone calls. We are pleased and proud to name Joe as our general manager, said Giants president John Mara. Throughout our search, Joe impressed us with his ability to communicate a progressive and comprehensive vision for our team His philosophy and collaborative approach to building a roster and coaching staff align with what we are looking for in a general manager. From Steve Tisch, Giants co-owner and chairman, Joe is the kind of exceptional leader we sought to oversee our football operations. We will do whatever it takes to support Joe's vision and strategic plan for success. We are excited to begin this next chapter with Joe as our general manager. More from John Mara. Steve and I were both impressed with all nine candidates. We came away from this process feeling like all nine will be, a general, will be a general manager in this league at some point. We just felt like Joe was the right fit at the right time for us. And now from Joe Shane. It is an honor to accept the position of general manager of the New York Giants. I want to thank John Mara and Steve Tisch and their families for this tremendous opportunity. And obviously, I am grateful to Brandon and the Bills for the experience I have had in Buffalo. Now the work begins. My immediate focus is to hire a head coach with who I will work with in lockstep to create a collaborative environment for our football operations. We will cast a wide net. It can be former head coaches, first-time head coaches, but more importantly, it has to be a person who possesses the ability to lead an organization and the ability to motivate and develop players. On the personnel side, we will begin to evaluate our roster and prepare for the draft in free agency. Our goal is to build a roster that will be competitive, have depth, and most importantly, win football games. Those are the quotes, gentlemen. Paul Dottino, your reaction. Well,
4: look at the resumes of the nine people that were brought in. They were all very good. These were the first round uh, of interviews that came in. I think when you looked at all nine, when you looked at Joe, you saw a guy who had lengthy experience but also at different places. There were some people who were at one place or maybe at one or two places, This is a guy who, between Carolina, Miami, and Buffalo, in his background, had three different places. One of eight of the nine guys who either played professional football or college football. Um, One of the eight guys out of the nine who also scouted not only pro players, but also scouted college players going into the draft. When you consider all of these things, and again, I have to say, I thought the pool of candidates was very impressive across the board. I did think that Joe's resume might have been just a little bit better than most of the other guys, and I'm not surprised when he became one of the three finalists that he wound up being the guy who won it by a nose. Lance?
6: As Paul mentioned, I mean, the scouting background, I think, is probably the most appealing. It's not so much that he's been with a few different teams. It's the fact that, Now that he's worked his way up to general manager, if you look at what he did specifically at Miami and Carolina, he was heavily involved on the scouting side in trying to pinpoint college talent and seeing whether or not those guys can make the transition to the NFL. And that's certainly a key ingredient if you want to now make an individual a general manager. Bill Parcells was the one that helped bring him to Miami, so there's a slight Giants connection there. And then he also helped turn things around in Buffalo with, of course the assistance of Brandon Bean, who was the general manager. But remember, the Bills, we're talking about a team that failed to make the playoffs for 17 straight seasons, and over the last five years, since he came in as assistant GM, they have slowly added talent through the draft. They made some trades, free agency, and little by little, that team got better and better, which is exactly what he's going to have to tackle here with the Giants. It's not necessarily 17 straight years, but over the last decade, we are only talking about one playoff appearance. So I think... The reason I'm bringing that up is he's coming into a situation which is not necessarily uncharted territory because when he entered Buffalo, they were really looking at similar circumstances. So I think those are the two things that at least are appealing the college scouting background as well as overseeing a team that went through well over a decade of issues before all of a sudden they turned the corner.
3: Yeah, Lance, you hit it. Look, they're a team that he built. He helped build up a team that was down in the dumps and and uh, at a fairly low point in their franchise's history, John Mara basically said that's where he feels the Giants are right now when he had his press conference last week. So that's what he's going to have to try to do here now, not as a guy who's assisting Brandon Bean and a general manager, but the guy that's in the big boy chair. So now he's the guy that's going to be making those decisions. He's going to be the guy you know, with final say on all of these things, and now he's going to lead the Giants head coaching search, as I mentioned in the quote. That's going to be his first and maybe even most important decision that he makes his general manager because those guys have to work in lockstep. And Lance, I agree with you. I I think the college scouting experience is important. We've talked about it on the show a billion times. If you want to have success and sustain success in the NFL, you have to draft well. It's the only way to do it. There's no other way to do it over a long period of time. You have to draft well. And he has that experience. And I also think it's important that he saw Brandon Bean build the Bills through a variety of ways. Yeah, they drafted Josh Allen. They drafted a lot of defensive players. They drafted Tradavius White. That was before he got there. The, the white draft pick. But they traded for Trayvon Diggs. Uh for um Stefan Diggs, pardon me. Yeah. They signed Cole Beasley. And they acquired other players in different ways, guys. So he knows that there are different avenues to build the team. But his background is in college scouting, which is where the Giants need to make an improvement because, look, they've had to be so busy in fringe to the last couple years because the draft picks that they've made haven't panned out as well as they would have liked. So that's where this starts. And with the fifth and seventh overall picks in the draft, five in the first three rounds, it's a good place to be uh, to get opportunities to build through the draft.
4: You know, John, let's not forget that, that, you know, he was in— Carolina and Miami, two teams that needed a lot of help in turning their situations around, and he was part of that. I mean, for example, in Miami, who hired him? Bill Parcells. When Parcells was the chief executive of football operations with the Dolphins, it was Parcells who grabbed him into that organization. And from from people I've talked to, and I haven't actually talked to Bill lately, is that uh, he was a terrific talent evaluator. That's what drew bill to him is that he was a very very good worker serious worker takes football you know like a religion and really had a terrific eye for talent he could spot guys and understood what what they could bring to the table and you know clearly that's something that you've got to have if you're going to be a gm in this league
6: well and the other thing is even when he was the assistant general manager at buffalo the bills actually did a nice feature piece on him i think about a year or two ago and even as assistant GM, because we talked about this on previous shows, sometimes if you're the assistant GM, you may basically be doing a lot of salary cap work. You may not be a scouting person, or you may just be handling pro personnel. Even as the assistant GM, he'd go on the road and evaluate college talent, and that was mainly because of, once again, his background. That's what he did at previous stops. So the Bills, I think, entrusted him in sending him out on the road in addition to their scouts to get his perspective on who eventually they wanted to select in the draft. And the other thing that you brought up, John, with respect to you know the scouting background and how the Giants going to have some valuable resources, I think he also understands he's coming into a situation where he's not necessarily walking into a cap situation that is overwhelming, where he could just go out and sign free agent after free agent. So if the turnaround is going to start, it's going to start through the draft. And I think given his background, that's at least beneficial because he knows if they're going to make immediate type of an improvement, they're going to have to do it via the draft, and it starts, obviously, with the resources he has in those two first-rounders in 2022.
3: Yeah, look, no question about it, and it's also important to remember, guys, that when he, he and Brandon Bean, and again, Bean got there a few months before Shane did, they had to do a lot of work on the bill salary cap, right? They had to trade, I think, Marcel Darius, because of his salary cap situation. They had to let go of Leshawn McCoy, so they had salary cap issues to clean up there that they figured out, um before you know they could kind of move on and get the bills to where they want to go. So this is not something that he's unfamiliar with.
6: Well, and also the transition to another quarterback too. Yep. I'm not saying that he's going to come in and he doesn't think that Daniel Jones perhaps is still somebody that could be the guy, but he did oversee that as they did draft Josh Allen the year prior to Daniel Jones and handed things over to him after they had Tyrod Taylor and a few other veterans in years past. And the other thing that'll be interesting is what he decides to do with respect to the backup quarterback position, assuming Daniel Jones is here and he's the guy we know we've had conversations. They're going to have to upgrade that. And you look at what they did in Buffalo. They had Derek Anderson backing up Josh Allen because Anderson had ties to Josh McDermott one year so. He has had some experience with some polished veterans that they have brought in, and you assume that that's something that they're certainly going to have to address regardless of the status of Daniel
3: Jones. Paul, any more before I get to the call? I would
4: only say this. You don't know how much Joe had to do with the trade for Stephon Diggs, but that was a very risky, gutsy, and I could use a few other adjectives uh, when they made that deal. Because you know Diggs was a prime time player, they spent a lot for him in terms of capital to get him. Yeah, first round pick. Yeah, I mean that's you know that's a big big move. You know you you can't be queasy if you're going to go making a move like that, and and the Bills made that move, brought in a guy who, by some stretches of the imagination, wasn't necessarily the perfect character guy because of a little bit of selfishness supposedly, right? In Minnesota, but they did it. They pulled the trigger. They thought they were close enough, and here they are contenders. I don't know how much Joe had to do with that, but it certainly goes to show you that he's got forward thinking about him. He's certainly within
3: an office that wasn't afraid to pull the plug or pull the the trigger. And we do see online Adam Schefter has a bunch of names there for who the Giants might request for head coaches. We don't have any official word on that. The news is out there if you want to talk about that anything else. Let's rock and roll, guys. 201-939-4513, hashtag Giants Chat. David and Connecticut will lead us off. As the first caller, now that the Giants have the new general manager, David, what's going on?
7: Hey, guys. uh, Big news today. Uh, I've been looking forward to it. Um, I was just wondering uh, who you guys thought um, might be the new head coach. um, Is it DeBall, Brian DeBall from Buffalo?
3: Is that how you say his last name? That's Brian Dable. That is the obvious connection everyone is going to make. I think that lazy is probably the wrong word, but it, it it's certainly the easy one. Uh, but I, sure. this, this is going to be a much wider search than that. And he has, as Paul mentioned, Lance mentioned, he's been with other organizations, so he has a lot of connections to different coaches around the league. So there will be more than, than just that in the mix here. Um, uh,
7: do you think uh, the, the last name I've heard recently was Todd Bowles? Do you think he'll he'll get an interview?
3: Don't know. (laughs) We don't know. Anything's possible at this point. I wouldn't
6: rule anybody out. I mean, the other guy is remember Leslie Frazier is the Bills' defensive coordinator. You know, maybe he's interested in him too. I'm not saying that name's been thrown out, but at this point, if you're Joe Shane, I mean, unless somebody was taken off the table that you had a great deal of interest in, I don't know if there's necessarily a rush. Do your due diligence, bring in as many people as possible, and
3: get different perspectives. The guy has literally been on the job for about 20 minutes. Yes. So he, he has some yes. time to start putting some of these requests, Dave. <laughs> Good you point, John. On it, <laughs> Absolutely. That I is... have a
0: friend who's working on it.
3: Oh, I'm sure he is. Well, and I'm sure he and that
0: gave that them some one.
6: suggestions during the interview. So, I mean, I'd be stunned if I'll he did. i
7: tell you, though, uh, for an offensive coordinator that um, scored a touchdown on his first eight possessions um, last week. I I think that sounds pretty appetizing to a Giants fan right
3: now. Yeah, I got to imagine. Thank you, David. Appreciate the call. And look, remember, too, anybody that's a coach that's active for one of these teams, nothing's going to happen until next week anyway. Obviously, these guys heading into a, a divisional playoff weekend are not going to be you know, doing interviews on, like, Friday and Saturday. So uh, we're not going to see any of those interviews happen uh, until next week, whenever they do happen to get requested. Let's go to Mick in South Carolina. He joins us next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Mick, what's up?
8: Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen.
3: Hello. I want to bring up something
8: I want to get your opinion on that I feel pretty firmly on. If you recall when Daniel Jones... In his rookie year, if I'm not mistaken, I think he had something like 28 touchdown passes and 14 uh, interceptions. There were only four rookies in the history of the NFL that threw four touchdown passes and passed for 300 yards in the rookie season. Daniel Jones was three out of the four. I can't remember who the fourth one was. Um, If I'm not mistaken, either that year or the following year, Jones also had the highest completion percentage rate on uh, passes over 20 yards. Uh, the point I'm getting at because the Giants worried so much about its fumbles and its picks they change him into a dinker and a dunker we don't even try to throw the ball down the field and what I'm getting at there's eight or nine guys in the box the defense is all over the Giants wide receivers when they do their four-yard crossing routes no one is ever open I'm a firm believer that No matter how bad your offensive line is, you have to throw the ball down the field several times a game to get those extra players out of the box. You have to make the defense respect your downfield game. Instead, what they're doing is playing scared and they're creating their own problems. I like your opinion on that.
3: I mean, look, we've talked about on the show how we thought they should take some more shots down the field. But the most common down-the-field concepts now are those deep over-routes, Mick. And for those deep over-routes to develop, you do have to protect. It takes guys a long time to get across the field. So, because can you just throw a bunch of fly routes down the sideline? Sure. Here, here's been the the crux of the Giants' problem the last two seasons. Okay, if teams play coverage against them with two safeties deep, they can't run the ball. All right. So they have never forced teams to dedicate extra guys to the box. And is right. you know as well as Wayne Gallman ran the ball for a few games last year. You think teams were afraid of Wayne Gallman running it? They weren't, and, and the Giants couldn't sustain a, a consistent rushing attack. And in the same way, you know, the Giants could not consistently protect long enough to get those longer developing routes down the field. Now, to your point, does that mean that they couldn't have taken more shots down the field? Yeah, they could have, and, and we've said that on the show many times. But Daniel Jones, I think if your general point is that he has been – in a structural disadvantage these last two years. I think that's true. Um, I I think he's had a lot of things working against him. I think that's true. Um, I think it has, you know, as much to do with, you know, the the players around him that it had to do with the play calling. Um, But he also hasn't stayed healthy. Um, The turnovers have gotten better, that's for sure. And I think that's why he's going to be given another shot this year. But, you know, they have to make a decision on a fifth-year option. I'm not sure, and we'll see what they do. But the determination whether or not they've seen enough to, to uh, decide affirmatively on that, that'll be a decision the new general manager has to make.
8: Well, I'd compare this to how Russell Wilson handled Seattle. They also have a very weak offensive line. But I noticed Russell Wilson, he probably rolls out on two-thirds of the plays instead of – standing like a statue in a pocket like the
4: Giants try to make. Well, he's also been sacked more than any other quarterback over the course of the past decade, that is and it's true. not even close. And also
3: Russell yeah. Wilson is a much better quarterback. On Like Daniel Jones, his numbers when throwing on the move are not very good. Yeah, the difference is yeah.
4: Wilson throws while he's moving. Jones needs to set. Correct. Big difference. And, and, right.
3: and Wilson's more elusive in the pocket, right? Jones is fast right. in a straight line. But he's not an elusive player in the pocket like Wilson is, who can really make people. Like, when was the last time you saw Daniel Jones make someone miss in the pocket, (laughs) right? It it really doesn't happen. Russell Wilson's really good at that. Well,
6: and Russ also has a wealth of more experience than Daniel Jones, too. So, I mean, at this point in his career, he's perfected all of those things. So I don't really think it's even Uh comparable, considering where Russell Wilson is at his career at this point.
8: Uh, Another thing to keep in mind, though, is it's so easy when you have a Tall target like Galladay to draw pass interference. I'll bet you the Giants maybe drew one pass interference call on a long ball this year. Other teams get one or two calls a week.
3: All right, Mick, well, I got yeah, you. I, mean, I want to make sure I get to other calls. We just hired a general manager. Um, but yeah, look, look. Sure, I mean, but like, how do you what? What do you just? How, how do you draw pass interference? Like, would you just throw it to a covered receiver and pray? <laughs> I mean, is that what we're doing here? <laughs> there, there are
4: crafty wide receivers who are very adept at doing it.
3: Oh no, sure there are, but I don't think that's like a schematic thing or like a no, no, no,
4: it's not not something that you game
3: plan for.
6: Right, Let's correct. put it that way, right? Well, <laughs> you certainly need the targets to achieve that. I don't think
3: anybody's
4: right.
6: going to dispute that. But I don't think you're going into a game saying we're going to throw the ball up six times to this wide receiver and hope that on four of them we're going to get pass interference. But I would argue you need the at-bats in order to even have those opportunities. Right, so which that the, goes back to what we initially were talking about.
3: Taking more shots, right? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And, and, and no argument there. 201-939-4513. Scott New Mexico is next. Hey, Scott. Hey,
7: guys. How you doing today? What's up? Uh, curious question. I applaud the move being done so quickly I think that was really important and I have a feeling that Joe sort of stepping into a minefield with all the problems that the Giants have and as important as the GM and the coach are uh, obviously when with talent on the field and it goes back to a point that Paul had made earlier with me about the coaching staff uh, setting up or giving uh, evaluations of all the players But this is a team that was, what, 22 and 65 over the last five years, and those coaches were there, a lot of them, and they're giving evaluations. The question I have is, are there outside agencies or independent agencies that Joe could go to to get – Evaluations as well as the evaluations they're going to get from the former coaches because a lot of those coaches oh, I mean, probably aren't going to be there.
3: I mean, Joe, I, I mean, Scott, oh, I, I think, <laughs> sorry, I think what Joe Shane will do is get okay. the evaluation from the coaches that he hires. I mean, that okay. that really is the only, I, with all due respect to the prior coaching staff, and I'm sure maybe right. he'll look at it, he doesn't give two craps about what guys that aren't in the building think. I mean, he's right, gonna, he's exactly. going gonna to care about what the new guys come in. And say about it. You know what I mean? Okay.
7: Yeah, because I was kind of concerned that he was going to get reports on on players and so forth. That you know that people have a vested interest because they saw them. You know, would it be an honest evaluation when he's trying to move the team?
3: No, 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 Scott. This is going to be a brand new, fresh look at everyone. This is not going to be anything like that. Yeah.
7: And my last question, I'll have, which I can take off the air. Uh, There are obviously contract issues with a number of different players. But one that's specifically I'm concerned with is the Kenny Galladay uh, scenario. If, if Galladay, for example, had injuries in Detroit and obviously didn't play very much while he was in New York, and Joe says, well, he's injury-prone, I don't know if I want him on the team because they have a $40 million guarantee, will that kind of thing affect the way he's going to be a GM? And I was curious what your perspective would be on something like that. And I'm using it as a hypothetical. I'm not saying that Kenny's not going to be playing the season. But I just wanted to get your perspective on those kinds of scenarios. I, I
3: don't know if I understand this question, Scott. Sure. What do you mean it's going to affect the way he's GM? I don't understand what you mean by well, that. Well,
7: if you have to pay somebody X number of dollars and he's not on the field, are there ways or mechanisms you can either trade or do something as the general manager to negate the expenses that you have involved no. in a player like that? And that's basically
6: the question I had.
3: No, they're not, yeah, I don't understand nope. how you can negate that. Nope, you can't. That's part <laughs> right.
6: It's part of the Appreciate risk. It's part of the risk, Scott. There is not. Thanks, yeah.
3: Scott. Appreciate
6: the call. I mean, you don't have something <laughs> built into the contract. If the guy only plays six games, we get rid of him tomorrow, and there's no cap issues as a result of it. I mean, I've never seen a contract structure like that because no player in their right mind or the agent is going to agree to a deal like that. Yeah, but every
4: single GM in the league would love to have course, one. Absolutely. Yes, but that's completely
6: unrealistic. That will never yes. happen. And I think – I don't know if Joe, his mindset as he comes in as GM is any different than any other general manager. You always weigh the pros and cons when you sign a player that has some injury history. I don't think he's on a different stratosphere level-wise in terms of his thinking. Every GM goes through that process. You always look at the injury history. You have the medical people on staff look at the injury history, and then you make an assessment based on that. So I don't really think his logic or his rationale is going to be any different than any other previous GM in terms of how they go about their business.
4: You know, the NHL has that uh, ability to buy out guys, and so does the NBA. And there are tricky mechanisms that are involved in that where you can buy out a guy's deal. The
3: player has to agree to it. Yes,
4: yes. I'm not suggesting the scenario that was painted by the caller is, is something that's in play here. I'm not. But, but there are professional leagues who do have some type of buyout trickering, triggers and mechanisms whereby you can get out of a bad
3: deal still paying some type of penalty and price for it. And just to give fans an idea, and again, this is not official, I'm just getting this off of, you know, spot track and, and uh, over the cap, but um, you would have about $23 million of dead money. <laughs> if you wanted to move on from Kenny Galladay this season. In other words, you're not moving on from Kenny Galladay this season. He is on the roster. He is your starting wide receiver, and he's here, period. Indeed. Yes. Conversation over. (laughs) 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Now, maybe work a trade. That's always possible. You can always figure out a way to trade a guy if you want. But, again, that's money on the cap, too, and all that stuff. So, just say, Let's go to Jay in Brooklyn. He's up next. We're going to try to get to as many guys as we can today. Jay, what's going on?
1: Hey, two quick things, guys. Uh, real quick, I, I was okay with bringing Judge back for a year. Uh, I didn't have a you know big problem with it, but I understand why they got rid of him. It's going to be really interesting to me to see what they do with the head coach going forward. You already you just picked a uh, a first time GM, who's first time in his life he's been a GM making calls. It's going to be interesting to see if they decide to pair him with a first time head coach. Yeah, that would be a huge, a huge uh, uh, detour to what the, the way they've done things especially after the way Judge ended last season where even he admitted at the end of the season that they, he learned this year he took a lot of things that he would not do. And his, I thought his experience showed down the end at the end of the year with the 11-minute uh, you know, press conference and everything. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do in New York, in this media market, to pair a first-time GM with possibly a first-time coach. Very interesting.
3: Jay, look, I, th- I think that's a great question. In my opinion... That's not going to guide my decision-making process all that much because, to me, and I was going to say this in response to a a couple callers ago, whatever they do here with the head coach and now with the general manager, fans are going to have to be patient. Like, this is not primed, you know, for, like, a super quick, oh, now we're going to be a perennial playoff team, like, right now. Like, is it possible? Sure. Anything's possible. You can, you know, win some close games. Maybe they strike gold in a couple offensive linemen and things like that. That You know, those those things can certainly happen. You you pick perfect guys in the draft. But this is, you know, long slog might, might, might be a little overwrought. But this is going to be a process. Whenever an organization brings in a new general manager and a new head coach, it's usually not just take all the pieces we have and we're good and we're rolling. Usually these new guys are going to want to bring in their own types of players, their own people. And it, it's a long-term process to kind of get this thing going when you bring in an entirely brand new coach and GM. So that's why it doesn't bother me because if you bring in a rookie coach and that rookie coach makes some mistakes in year one or year two, well, you know what? I'm okay with that because I'm not looking to, you know, be a Super Bowl contender in year one or year two of this thing. That That to me, if it happens, great, but that's not a priority for me. So – I know Paul's probably going to disagree, but I'm okay with that because, to me, this is a long-term proposition. You want these guys to grow together, and if you think a first-time head coach is the best guy and he has to grow in the job a little bit, I'm fine with it. Hire the guy. Let's rock. Let's be a little patient, and let's go.
4: Yeah, that's, that's what you'd like to have in a fantasy world. I mean, that
2: sounds good in theory, guys. It does. I mean, it sounds great the in theory. John, well, John's the theory
4: is great, but see, this is not our grandfather's NFL where you got five-year exactly. plans. Everybody used to come into the league in the 70s, 80s, even early 90s, and it was, I've got a five-year you know, plan. GMs usually do get more time than coaches. Though. Actually, right now, Bill Polian was on NFL radio the other day and said the average life of a, a, a GM in today's NFL right now is only four years. Yeah, well, four years. Okay? And the problem is, if he's got four years, his head coach probably has less because he will have less tolerance, and if that guy's not doing well, he's going to want to punt him so that he can save his own job. So in in a typical NFL scenario today it is not it is not a 4 to 5 year proposition it's more like a 3 to 4 year okay, proposition. Okay, that's
3: fine. That's fine. So
4: I, I, so long term is relative, depends on how you define long term. Well, short sure, <laughs> exactly well here's like how I look at it.
3: Short term I look at it 2 years. Once you get past 2 years, that's more long term to me. Uh, I
4: I have a hard time defining three years as long term, but if that's what what you want to do, it's okay. Well, you have
6: but to the quantify NFL it. three is long term, actually, and it is now. It is now. I mean, well, it
3: is. Now. It is. Yeah. I'm yeah. just going based on how it works. It's become that way right.
4: because of the reality of today's game. Correct.
6: Listen, here's the bottom line: the Giants brought in Pat Shermer, who was an experienced head coach prior. It didn't work out. They just went through two years of Joe Judge. So, if we look at Giants history, you've had examples on both sides. And, and the results and Lance, have been by the similar. way,
3: if you want to go back before Sharma, McAdoo was a first-time head coach, and he was just for yeah, two
6: years. So that's another example. But the bottom line is the Giants have experimented, to the caller's point. So I really don't think that that should get in your way and your thinking. And here's the other thing. and I believe this was a conversation John and I had When they moved on from Joe Judge and we were talking about what direction they would go in. And I said, I think offense needs to be a priority. Because the offense the last two years has been broken. It's been under 20 points. Okay, you need to fix that facet. So if you are enamored by an offensive coordinator and the only way to get him is to promote him to be a head coach so that he can then do both, then why would you not risk doing that? if you're just going to hang around and hope that you get somebody that's a recycled head coach but doesn't necessarily have the background and the awe in terms of his offensive thinking. So I think that's how the cycle in the NFL works. You like an offensive coordinator. The best way to bring him aboard is you promote him to the head coach. And that, to me, has to be at least part of the and, thing. And not the, the only
3: direction they go. In. Not the best way to bring him on, the only way to sure. bring him on. You yeah. can't get a lateral move from another team's OC to your OC. That's not how this works. It's well, the unless they give him, like, the assistant
6: guy. head coach position, yeah, John. Yeah. Well, no, think about it. I mean, Patrick Graham, remember, was let go from Miami and then
3: essentially well, came and took the same position. That was only so. because Miami let him go, though. Sure, no, Miami but I'm saying have there have, have been
6: leave. circumstances where it's played out like that. Sure. If you maybe give him the associate head coach position slash OC, right. and maybe you give him a bump in salary and he finds that appealing.
3: Jay, go ahead. I, um, uh, go ahead, Jay. I want no, to build on what I Lance said, you but that, you can that, go ahead.
1: No, it's this is why it's a really important. I mean, it's one thing to say we got to show patience, but the owner himself let go of Judge after two years. So, I mean, it's not only the fans, it's also the, the organization
3: whole also. Sure. No, so, that, that's true. Yeah, and by the way, Jay, I think the organization wants to show patience, to be honest with you. I think that's – when John Mara said it was like gut-wrenching for him to go down and, and fire Joe Judge, the way I read that statement is that it's because he was letting go of another coach after just two years, which is something he literally said he did not want to do when he hired him. Correct. He did. Right, That's And That's what then
1: he la- said. Last, uh, last question, guys, and I'll take it off the air.
3: Yeah.
1: When I look at this offensive roster, uh, position groups, you know, tight end, uh, quarterback, whatever, when you take the overall ineffectiveness of certain players on these position groups and then you add the injury equation into it, which is, you know, not only what, what players were injured last year, but how those players' outlooks are going into next year, there is not one position group on the offense that I don't know how you could be comfortable with going into next year.
3: Good question, Jay. I think you feel okay about wide receiver because you have Gallaudet and Tony. I don't know how many more resources you can throw into that position. Well, you're hoping Slayton bounces back. Right, and, and you know, maybe you can grab somebody in the mid-rounds, third or fourth round, something like that. You know, wide receivers you can find. Yes, so you can. I feel okay. Out of all the groups, that's the group I probably feel best about. Do you guys agree and with that? And there's you think major injury apparent? concerns with that group. No, absolutely. Yeah, no sure. question. Thank you, Jay. So all right, bye. bye. Appreciate it, man. Do you yeah. guys agree with that in terms of the offensive I, I position? I think ropes?
4: I think the wide receivers and the running backs, and of course you do have the injury concern with Barkley, right. but but honestly, uh, I think Penny's a solid fullback. I, I think, agree with that. I think Booker proved that he's a solid one A, you know, but he's a one A. He's not he's not a one. He's a 1A, yeah, yeah. so you have to, you, you know. Or 2A even,
3: you know. I think Booker's, I, I don't think, Bo- I think Booker's like a, gr- a very good backup. I think that's what you want him for, a right. guy that's going to sub. Well, like, yeah. Like, so, see, when, when you say not a 1A, that him and Barkley are going to split the carries Oh, no, 50, no, 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 50, I like, don't mean that. No, right, I don't exactly. mean that. Right, right,
4: I don't right. mean that at all. But I don't think he's just a pure backup either that, that can't
3: play except if your guy gets hurt. Correct. No, he's fair. a little more I than gotcha. that. You you know? know,
4: so I think those two positions, wide receiver and running back, would be the two on offense I'd feel best
3: yeah, about. Yeah, I agree with that, Lance. Yeah, the only thing
6: is, remember, those two position groups are dependent on the play of the offensive line and the quarterback. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Well, you see, what I'm saying is, is, I mean, you could feel great as the caller said about maybe a certain position group, but you have to understand. You don't just put those individuals on an island and then they just produce. Right. They're still dependent on the two most important aspects, which is the offensive line and of the quarterback. So I would say the production of those two groups needs to take a step forward to feel even better about the running backs and the wide receivers.
3: And I'll say this too, and Jay was making this point, I think, but, uh, before he moved on from him. Those are the groups we feel best about, right? Who are the three best players in those two groups? Saquon Barkley? Injuries. Kenny Galladay. Injuries. Kadarius Toney. Injuries. Yeah, guys that have questions. Sterling question Shepard. Marks. Injuries. Top four. Pardon me. Well, and remember,
6: Shepard suffered the injury so late in the season, you can't enter necessarily week one counting on him hopefully, right now. As hope, it stands.
3: Hopefully, Lancey's on the Cam Akers recovery program. Correct. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, where I'm, you I'm, blink and all of a sudden he returns. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and but by the way, that,
4: I think we saw during the second half of the season, you better... Start putting some thought into who your number two quarterback is
3: going to be, oh, too. that, too. Absolutely. Why well, I, I said that about, yeah. like, ten minutes ago. Weren't you yeah. listening?
6: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No. I absolutely agree with
3: you. All Thanks. right. Um, I want to add one thing. Jason and New Haven, I'll get to you next. I just want to add one thing that Lance made the point about, Paul. And I know me and you will probably get to battle about this for next week until they make the hire. This is my thought, generally speaking, on why I want the head coach to be somebody on offense. I think it's so important to have that stable offensive coordinator join with your quarterback now, to have a good system that you have in place for a long time that you know is good and your offense can function. You can make explosive plays and you know, it's something that you can carry on for a fair amount of time. And the problem in today's league is that if you find like let's say you hire a overseer head coach, right? A guy that is not going to call plays, doesn't have an offensive background, and he finds an offensive coordinator that's really good, right? He comes in. He's a heck of a play caller. He does a great job. If he's really that good, do you know how long he's going to be here? Like two years. Then you got to go find another one. Then who's the next guy going to be? Is he going to be good? I don't know the answer to that. So that is so important to me to have that in place and not lose that guy. You know, that great play caller can be a – and I'm talking about the elite guys now. Those guys can be real difference makers. And the only way you can assure you're not losing that guy is if he is your head coach. That's why it's important. That's why it would be a priority for me to make sure to, again, if maybe they go out there and they don't find an offensive coordinator they think is an elite play caller and is worth to make that commitment to. That's possible. I don't know what they're looking at. But if you can find that guy and you believe in him and you can get him in as your head coach and he's there, to me – That's so important that I'm willing to risk some of the other things if you can assure me you're going to have that in place because getting that coordinator-quarterback connection that works over a long period of time, to me, is really the key to having sustained success in the league. And that's kind of the way I look at it. I don't have
4: a problem with your thought, John, but my priority, and it always has been, and I'm not going to change my spots because a Leopard does not do it, my head coach cannot call the plays. You could hire whatever offensive coordinator you want to. I don't care if he's a young guy, an old guy, a successful guy, not a successful guy. Whatever you want to do. But aren't you then taking but away my his head greatest... coach? My head coach cannot call the plays. But
3: aren't you taking away his greatest strength then?
4: Very few head coaches in this league have been able to call the plays and succeed. There have been a few. Sean Payton comes to mind immediately. Kyle right. Sean. Well, I mean, Andy, it's, okay. He, Okay, Lance is 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 is, but, is
3: Kyle Shanahan the play caller, or does Mike McDaniel call the plays? I think McDaniel calls the uh, plays, yeah. right? Yeah.
4: Okay. Now here's the thing: name all the head coaches in the NFL for the last thirty years, and then name me the guys who have been at the playoffs. You know, Lance wants to be smart and throw up Andy Reid. Well, enemy does an awful lot of that play calling. Yeah, but and, and mean, the truth of the, the matter is, effort, you though. want but, all right? So you want to pick out three crumbs out of the last three hundred and fifty well, coaches? Nick Sirianni calls plays. The okay, Eagles made the playoffs. The oh one. yeah, but they did. They did real well too. Now it's not a good idea. It's not a good idea. But Paul, you know,
6: hold on a minute. How can you stand on this program? I will and stand argue... on it any time okay, I fine, want to. But I will crit- overshadow no, no. Okay, all short people fine. in the but world you're as well. Criticize, Paul, so fine, criticize the Eagles, but the Giants have made the playoffs once in the last decade, and you're criticizing a, a first-year head coach for taking the Eagles to the playoffs? I mean, that's absolutely no perspective whatsoever. It's a
4: complete perspective over 40 years of covering this league. That's head fine. coaches so calling the plays more often yourself. than I will stand yeah, on it, fine. and it's not no, by no, myself. No, but
3: no, okay. no, well, Paul, that's fine, but that that doesn't mean you you take a shot at Sirianni I, for bringing the Eagles. Yeah. To the no, play. I'm not. I'm not.
4: I'm not, right. but 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 he's going to try to put him up there as a guy who has I'm succeeded, not him up there. and I you don't asked think that's great success. Well, success, success. In great, world, great success. success. Right, well, I mean, Paul, over the last forty years in this post. league, you over the last the forty post. years in this league, how, for, many, head how many head coaches have, been have had in their great position success? For 40 years? Years have had great success as play callers. Andy Reid is is certainly somebody that comes to mind. There have been a few. There have been a few. I said there was a few. Okay. You can find a few. Give me the other 257, Lance. No,
3: no, no. But, Paul, here's the thing. Look at – how about this? Look look at the elite guys. Who are some of the best coaches in the league over the last 30, 40 years? Tom Coughlin didn't. Bill Parcells didn't. I know, but a decent amount of them did. I get it. And I'm talking about some
4: some guys have. Bill
3: Belichick doesn't. And by the way. Who's the best? And by the way, I am fine with this, right? If you want to tell me that, and by the way, I think Bill Belichick has a big role in calling defensive plays. Yeah, but he doesn't call
4: the offensive plays.
3: Okay, that's what's the difference? And I, I,
4: well, what I said is my head coach should not be my offensive play caller. No, 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 you said he shouldn't call plays. Okay, let me clarify. Okay. He (laughs) should not be the offensive play caller. Well, I'm not so thrilled with him being the defensive play caller either, and I'm not sure that Belichick does call a lot of that stuff. Why I think does that his, matter to you? What's the difference uh, to you?
3: I'm just yeah,
4: curious. Because uh, I, I, I have seen too many coaches who have been stuck with their play sheet, and we know they've been, been mocked over the years on television, who are stuck with their play sheet. And they are so involved in their play sheet, they lose perspective on what's going okay, on I with the rest say of the this. game. I will agree. And by the way, I've been on the sideline of NFL teams for a long time. I and I see stuff on the sideline that I know that goes on hey, look, with guys who don't call plays and
3: guys who do. And, it's a bad idea. And you know what? If Maybe the ideal situation, and maybe you can sell me on this, maybe you hire the great play caller. He's heavily involved in the offense on game day. He's holding a play sheet but he's not the actual guy calling the physical plays. I can live with that.
4: Did you like the Kevin Gilbride-Tom Coughlin deal? Did you like that model? Yeah, but again... No, it's,
3: But you liked it, right? No, again, It I, worked. No, and Kevin said that Tom never interfered with his play calling. No, I understand that. But again, in today's NFL, Paul, if you get an elite play caller, he's gone in two years.
4: Well, maybe that's why he's got to be an older guy who's not necessarily looking to be a head coach, but is happy being oh, a good, coordinator. Good, good oh, luck. come on. It's, it could be, it, that's going to that be hard to do. Though,
3: yeah, that's going to be hard good to, good to luck do. Good luck finding that guy. It's going to be hard well, to and do. And
6: first of all, there's also a lot of teams. For example, Shane Steichen is the Eagles' offensive coordinator. So when Sirianni needs to pay attention to the defense. Steichen, then, is the one talking to Jalen Hurts and the offense to make tweaks and changes based on what they've seen on film. A lot of teams operate like that, Paul, where you're the head coach and you're the play caller, but the O.C., who's involved in the game planning, he's the one when the other side of the team is out there. So to your point, you don't want your coach to be just enamored with one side. The OC then steps in and does those coaching calls. And points. by the way, look- It I'm, can I'm, work
3: like that. Know, and Lance is right. I, look, I think both of you guys are right to a point. Because I would, I'm would. i with Paul. I would prefer the head coach not having his head buried in, like, a you know, buried in a sheet and not paying attention when the defense is on the field. Look, it happens a lot. No, look, and, and I and I get that. So if your point- I still want to prioritize a guy that that's going to form my offense. So, if my guy that I hire is the guy that puts the game plan together with the OC during the week and puts all the chess pieces in place and says, all right, on our big thirds and longs, you're calling one of these five plays. In our you know, two-point conversions, we're going to call one of these three plays. And the head coach helps the OC set that up during the week, but then on game day, he's not the one physically calling the plays in, but he has input in it. I'm fine with that. Okay. But my point is that I want to have the guy that builds my offense and bonds with my quarterback. Like, Lef- like 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 Lafleur in 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 Green Bay, for example, or okay. or before that, McCarthy or Homegrid in Green Bay, whatever, right? Or Holmgren in Seattle, even right when he was there. He, you know, he, that's another guy. I think Holmgren call plays when he was head coach, right? I'm and, and, not and sure true. if he did in Seattle. I'm not positive either. But the bottom line, I want my head coach to be that guy that he is the one that creates the offensive system and keeps it in place. So my franchise quarterback can grow and succeed in it. The framework so have, is what you're asking for. So I for. have consistency on that side of the ball. And, again, his ability to build the game plan during the week because he's a very good offensive mind is very important to me. Yeah, the, the guy who builds the framework. I don't necessarily have a problem
4: with that either. And let me make something very clear. If I were a GM and Sean Payton were a free agent head coach, I'd hire him in a second. And I know he does call the plays. Right. So it's something I don't want to do. I prefer not to do it. In fact, I strongly prefer not to do it. But if it's one of a handful of guys who has proven that he could win a Lombardi trophy by doing it, I'm not going to tell him I won't take his call. No, of course. I, I mean, no. come oh, on. Course. Let's be real about it. Right.
6: Well, and also Sean McVay and Matt LaFleur are two also head coaches that Cole plays who are currently in the NFL. So there's two other examples, and those guys, last time I checked, have had some good recent. Give success. me another
4: three hundred and fifty, Lance. Okay, we'll but talk. see,
6: that's that's my point, Paul. You, I, mean, I come give on. you examples, come on. and you just you want a track record of thirty Be, years. Because I said want.
4: to
3: you, there are a few. Well, you've named a few. Good. Yes. I mean, you and proved he, my point. Well, and you I named name more. Lance has probably listened almost a, a quarter the, of the league at this point. And how many of those guys have all? won the Lombardi
4: a lot of them okay, were in the but, playoffs but, and how uh, many coaches uh, in uh, NFL history have it's won it's okay Lombardi's. look it's a preference you know, I'm it, not telling you that this is a hard and fast rule I'm giving you my strong preference I'm allowed to have a strong preference and I'm not not you can have preference. one
5: too you
6: can but have what I'm two. saying is is your counter argument is well how many Lombardi trophies do that you're asking for the pinnacle of pinnacle in order to provide well, my the idea criteria is to win it all a that play is call. the idea that yes, is the idea. Of course, everybody wants to win a Super Bowl, but in a league, Paul, where there's seven to eight new playoff teams every year, if you could be the play caller and a head coach and get your team in the playoffs for four straight years, three straight years, I would say you're doing a pretty good job. Are you not? And also has a number one seed in the bye in the case of the Packers. And that's yeah, my point.
4: It 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 can happen. Right. It can happen. I didn't say 100. percent I wouldn't do it. I simply said it's my strong preference. All right. You're allowed to have your preferences too. Of course, 100. I'm, just I'm not disputing saying, your preference. Uh, well, I'm disputing your justification
6: of it. That's what I'm disputing. I'll I'll take that to the bank. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, you. I have no problem with you saying you want your play caller separate from your head coach.
3: Okay, It's not them, a bad perspective. Were good. Lance's point though is them that them there good. are a number of current examples of a head coach calling plays where they have had a I'm large saying. amount of success. Okay, Period. can we all agree on that? Oh, fine. It's the fight. All right, let's get back to the calls. Jason and New Haven.
5: Jason, what's going on? Hi, how you guys doing? What's up, Jay? Good, good. Um, I just wanted to uh say that I actually liked um this general manager search that we did. I thought it was well thought out. I think uh the um the owners took their time and not rushing anything, which I think was a great thing. Um, I've read some things about uh, our new GM. Apparently, he's a great talent evaluator, which is something we need as far as the draft. So um, I'm glad to hear that. Two other points. I'm kind of with um, Paul on this. I like my head coach to be a CEO type. I personally don't like head coaches calling plays. That's just a preference. I'm not saying like like Paul said, it's not a hard and fast rule. Um, but I do kind of like my head coaches being the CEOs, kind of like the Mike, I mean, the Tomlins and the the, the um, gentlemen in Seattle. Those are the kind of head coaches I like as far as, and, and the Pete hard Car- Pete, Carroll, me. Pete
4: Carroll, you meant.
5: Pete Carroll, yes. Forgive me. Had a brain freeze right there. Um, so I do want to say it's a good time to be a Giants fan. It's, it seems like kind of like a new chapter. Um, no, it, really it, it had- is.
3: Jason, it absolutely right. is a new chapter. Yeah, 100%.
5: Yeah, we haven't had a new GM outside of the building. I don't know in how long. Maybe you guys can let me know. I know we had a Corsi. I think before him we had Young. Then we had Reese and uh, Gettleman. Yeah, Ernie, Ernie, even Ernie even
3: Corsi though- had a Giants connection, but he wasn't from inside the building. When
4: George came into the organization, he had no prior association at all right. with the New York correct. Giants when he was hired right. in
3: 1979.
5: Right, right. Okay. Now, and Ernie had um, a connection
3: to George Young, but not necessarily the Giants, correct? Correct,
2: correct, okay. yes. correct.
5: Okay, so I stand, I stand corrected on that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good day to be a Giants fan. Um, me personally, I'm not going to, you know, speculate on names of head coaches because I know nobody really knows as far as that is concerned. I'm a big proponent of Flores. Um, to, uh, to me, I think he'd be a great get. Now, if they see something in any other head coaches they want to interview, I'd be fine with that. But to me, Flores has shown and proved that he could be a head coach turning that Miami franchise around. To me, him getting fired in Miami was kind of i uh, um, – I didn't understand that. I guess him and the owner had some issues or whatever, but well, i and, 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 and I don't
3: think it was him. I think it was him and the GM, too, that, that there were issues. Yeah, there. it was yeah. a relationship mm-hmm. thing, supposedly. Yeah. Right.
5: Players, right. general so, manager,
6: head coach, that triangle.
5: Right. So hopefully, I'm sure the owners will let the GM and the GM what the head coach, they will all be lock step with trying to get this franchise back to um, – Some kind of respectability and i'm not saying we're going to be in the super bowl next year or even the playoffs next year but i think as fans and even you guys would you know maybe you guys will agree i just want to see a team that's going to play for 60 minutes and anytime you play the giants like it used to be you're gonna you're really gonna have to play as hard because um uh it's not an easy out um two more one more thing about the draft I know it's still early for the draft, and we're not even. I know you guys haven't even looked at any of the players yet. Oh, I've started. Um,
3: I've started, Jason. Okay,
5: <laughs> okay. Um, I know everybody's talking about these this um, two alignment in the first, um, and this is just a. I'm not throwing names out. This is just a general statement I'll make. As far as that's concerned, I'm still best uh, best player available kind of guy. If a lineman uh, lines up to best play available, whether at five or seven, or if we trade out of those spots or whatever the new GM wants to do, then so be it. But if a Stingley's there at five or Thibodeau's there at five or Hutchinson, I mean, I don't really think there needs to be any con- kind of conversation. Um, the, the object of the draft is to build your team, not to necessarily to build one specific unit on your team. Yes, we need a tackle. We need a guard. I get that stuff. But the, the objective in the draft is to build your team. So if Stingley's there, I'm just throwing names out, if Stingley's there or Thibodeau or Hutchinson, I would think that most GMs would probably run to the run to the counter with that that card in hand. So um, I just hope fans don't get too enamored where well, we need O-line and we're going to take eight O-linemen in the draft. <laughs> I don't really think that's reasonable or um, I don't think that's smart, personally, because then you're not really taking probably best player available. And I want to see what you guys thought about that. And uh, thank you guys for taking my call, and you guys have a good weekend. Thank
3: you, Jason. You too. Look, I can be pretty quick here, and I think we'll all agree on this. You don't decide I'm picking a certain position in this round and then go and find the best guy at that position. No, you can't do that. That's how you draft busts. Right. You can't do that.
6: 100%. Plus, the GM, remember, is going to have a completely new perspective on this roster. So just because somebody from the previous regime felt good about the player doesn't mean the GM, the new guy, feels the same way. So that may be more of a reason why he wants to duplicate positions that you already have because he wants to look to
3: upgrade what you're already working with. And by the way, pass rush is a huge need for this team. I mean, let's not make believe that's That's like if offensive line is need number one, one 1B is edge rusher. Like it just is. The trouble is, I don't think Hutchinson or Thibodeau are going to get the five. I think that's probably they're unlikely. Both, they're
4: both gone. I think, and and after that, right. there's a
3: drop off. Yep. The kid from I haven't watched him. The kid from Purdue will be pretty good. The Carl uh, Yes. And by the way, he fits the physical profile of the defensive ends that Shane drafted in Buffalo, which is the why bigger guys.
4: I would warn people right now. I've done very preliminary. Yes. I would warn people now that if they were to take him at either five or seven and settle with let's say one offensive lineman and Karloftis, that's not a bad haul. You could certainly make an argument for that yeah. because, you know, there are offensive linemen in the five to ten range, supposedly, and there are there is a Carl uh, Karloftis who would be in the five to ten range as a pass rusher. But here's here's the one thing to remember when talking about what you said before, John, about you can't just say I need that position and I'm gonna take the best guy still on the board there. Just go back years and years ago when the Giants took Cedric That's Jones. Yep. They were so desperate. I bring this up all the time. Dude, Eric, how about, desperate. Eric,
3: how about Eric Flowers? You
4: know, Eric, Eric Flowers turned out to be some similar kind of player, you know, where they were so desperate. they got to get somebody at that position. He's the best guy left on the
3: board. Take him.
4: And and more often than not, you will pay for that. You will
3: get burned. 201-939-4513. And I'm going to give you one piece of advice, Paul. When you start watching offensive linemen, Watch NC State, Ikum Ekwanyu ah, yes. in the run game. Yes. I actually, You will enjoy that.
4: I actually have one thing. I uh, uh, Somebody had sent me a message the other day, and they said at five, if you wound up with an offensive lineman, which guy would you not be disappointed in? And I said I would not be disappointed
3: if it were Neal. And I would not be disappointed if it were Iquando. If you want a road grading offensive tackle, that's that that's your guy.
4: Neither one of those guys would disappoint me if they got
3: one of them. I watched Cross yesterday. Charles Cross is a pretty good pass I, protector. He's I, a heck of an athlete. Didn't uh, say he wasn't I good. I don't, I, don't, I don't. But let's go to Rick in Tampa. He's up next. I knew you would be all about Iquando. I do like him. On? I do like him.
0: Hey guys, guys! I love listening to you guys go back and forth. Uh, it's great conversation. <laughs> Um, you know those both those edge rushers are going to be gone before we get. Of course they are, up, uh, uh, unless we trade up. Now that's a whole other story. I mean, uh, don't no, go there. No, 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 no. No, 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 <laughs> don't no, go there. No, 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 All right, but that's just another conversation. This is the Greek free, uh, the Greek guy. Be yeah, I'm a Greek guy. Uh, his name keeps coming up. Giannis? He's, he's yeah, yeah. He'd be a hell of a no, tight end, Gianna. let me tell you. Imagine, yeah. imagine him coming off the edge
3: at like seven yeah. foot, like 250-something yeah. pounds. He'd be a nice red zone well, target yeah. <laughs> You'll play both ways, right? Yeah, you, yeah right? Well, let's, oh. yeah, let's, uh, that, but that seems to be, I mean, what do you think
0: of him? I mean, he seems like he's going to be a giant. I mean, because he, he's a unique player. He's
3: uh, That's what I meant about the Greek freak idea. Um, I, I, Rob I mean, Rick, I have not watched a second of him playing for Purdue so I, really? I yeah, You're I don't having, have an opinion no. not dude it's like a week since the season is over how Come many guys on, want man. me to watch I can only you do a couple said of you days. you you were looking I know well uh, I, I'm uh, through five uh, players he's not he, one of the first five that I did
0: alright okay because by, but it looks like he's going to be our first base alright uh I have, Rick, I have but a time out. It's
3: yeah. January 21st. It looks like he's going to be our first yeah, who pick. Who are you talking okay. to? Are you out of your
5: mind? Okay. Rick, who are you talking okay. to? Yeah. <laughs> Who's your sources? No, 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 no,
3: the, uh, okay. no.
6: They barely hired a new general manager, and already you know who that right. is. Well, you know what? He's yeah, been right.
3: here for an hour. Yeah. I
6: mean, wow. You're being okay. fueled
4: by he, all these he, ridiculous he, mock drafts. That's right. the
6: problem.
0: I know, I know. Listen, I, I know. And Lance listen, and I, listen,
4: I totally agree on that, by the way, 150%. Mock drafts in January, please. of course.
3: Use them for right. birdcage okay. fodder, okay? okay? Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. By the we way, and you will see we... Paul on a video on Giants.com talking about mock drafts in about a week, so I think his two will probably oh, change gee, by Oh, gee, thanks. That. Hello? Thanks.
4: <laughs> oh, my goodness. It,
0: it, but but it does affect the way we think about that first pick because if those guys <laughs> ever fell or something like that, you know, that would be – we would jump on Or Neil, if that was the case. But, you know, I got a question for you. Now, yeah. you know, we have a GM. All right, Great. Now, uh, the, the idea, what I'm hearing now, i, I let really me throw this at you because Daniel Jones has, uh, going into his third year now, uh, this will be with all new, fourth, okay, fourth year, fourth year, all new coach, all new offense, he's been through a couple different offensive coordinators, new offensive coordinator, new coach, new GM, and he's really never got settled in with anybody, so he's really out there as, as, as a quarterback that really don't know what to expect anymore.
3: Did we lose Rick? Rick, if you want to call us Sounds right back. Like we uh, lost yeah, him. we yeah. lost Rick. I, we're, we're close to the end, Rick. I will answer the question. I, I think you knew you were going with that. I would say this I mean, Daniel Jones should have been pretty settled in with Jason Garrett and his offense to start this year. He's in the system for a whole season. Yes, he should have. I mean, I, I don't think that's a fair excuse this year.
4: No. No. I mean, if you want to start looking at the fact that the line got banged up pretty well, quickly, no. you could talk about that. You want to talk about Barkley getting hurt early? You could talk about that. Yeah, but, the whole but not you being can't comfortable say, in the scheme. You can't no. say that he didn't know the playbook. No. I, I would, especially knowing how hard he worked in the off season. You know, we had people telling us, and we kind of know this already, John, Daniel Jones was here like 95% of the time during the off season. Rick's back. Rick, finish
3: up your point, buddy.
0: Yeah. That Okay, thanks. Uh, yeah, so with Daniel Jones, now my my thought here, if Daniel Jones, you know, this neck injury, if, I mean, for two, if he, if he perhaps can't come back because he's of the injury, um, what quarterback out there? I mean, obviously not in the draft. That would be who are the Giants you would think they would go after. And if Flores comes as the coach, they keep, uh, you know, they keep attaching him to Deshaun Watson. Do you think any way, or would you want any way to even get involved with that, with with Deshaun Watson? No and idea. That's going at you. I mean, is that something that you would say, yeah? I mean, if it worked out, I, I'm all on board. Or because that's what I keep saying with Flores. If he comes on, they keep attaching him to it. But I think more of a realistic thing is that if if Daniel Jones is what I was saying before, because he really hasn't proven anything, but he still, we could keep him for a year and bring somebody in, as you were saying, a number two, I believe, as maybe a number one on top of Daniel Jones to see where we would go with him. So, who would be that quarterback that's out there that you would say, okay, the Giants would, you know, obviously we have Russell Wilson, things like that. I'm just thinking broad scope here of quarterbacks that are available that the Giants could seriously say, Okay, Daniel Jones may not come back or if he does, the new coach, the new GM will say, No, I want to use I want this guy to come in as our quarterback. Who do you think that could be? Because it's not in the draft, obviously we all know that. There's nothing in the draft that's worth taking over Daniel Jones. So what do you think there? That's kind of my Got general it. question.
3: Thank you, Rick. And I think this is something we've talked about a lot here guys, and that the options are scant. I mean, you can talk about guys that are trades. We don't even know if guys like Wilson and Rogers are going to be on the trade market that have been widely Well, that's wishful thinking Exactly. Like, you have no idea. There's so many unknowns. You asked specifically about Watson with the Watson situation where, I mean, I don't think you can do anything until that stuff is resolved, until you know exactly what's going to happen. And that's kind of been what's holding up the whole process, right? Until they know what happens with the -the off-the-field stuff, it's really tough to touch that. And he mentioned the draft. And then what's left? Like, Teddy Bridgewater in free agency He's a free agent this year. I mean, it's not
4: injury prone. uh,
3: There just isn't a ton out there. You know what I mean? There's only
4: one smart solution to this, and that is you ride with Daniel Jones because you have economic certainty in another prove it year for him. Right. That's the only logical smart play here. Now, that doesn't mean there's another play that could present itself down the road that, of course, you need to deal with salary cap implications Mm -hmm. and everything else. Maybe, maybe at some point there's another smart play, but God only knows if that's ever going to materialize. Right now, Jones staying is the only smart play.
3: And any quarterback you add, Lance, also adds salary cap issues. Any good quarterback you add is going to have a huge salary cap number. You know, you got to find that money somewhere.
6: Yeah, well, I mean, in order to upgrade the backup quarterback position, you're going to have to utilize yeah, some resources. Yeah, so, I starter. Yeah, I mean, that's one way to look at it. But the other thing is, if you're going to trade for somebody, you're also going to give up resources. And, I mean, if we're throwing out names like Deshaun Watson, I'm just going down the hypothetical road, and you give up resources like that, we're not having conversations anymore about you're bringing him in to be the backup. You're now all of a sudden having conversations about perhaps a competition for the starting job. I mean, for example, if I give up two first-round picks or two draft picks for a quarterback – I'm not just bringing him in so he could be the backup. I'm oh, probably course. bringing him in because I'm going to give him a legitimate well, shot to be the
3: starter. Well, no, they do. So, if you trade like, ones, ones, you're not giving him a legitimate shot to be the starter. He is the starter. Yeah, like, well, he's I the mean, starter. listen, it,
6: depending on, of course, if there's baggage off the field oh, and well, you're right, waiting right, for right, things to course. be settled, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you. there's a lot of other factors that could certainly come into play by the way,
3: Lance, with dude, Deshaun Watson. If you're giving up those two resources, let's say you're giving up five and seven, there goes your rebuilding of the offensive line, so you're yeah, going to throw your, you have that new quarterback behind the— a problematic line again and you're going to be back where you started
6: well i would also argue i mean i think the way that i look at the giants is my personal opinion i don't think they're just a snap of the finger quarterback away from all of a sudden transforming this team so if the new gm comes in if they think they're a quarterback away then maybe that changes their perspective but i think that those resources need to be utilized to address other areas of the team correct so you have to weigh do i give up everything to go for the home run for a quarterback, and then you hope the quarterback solves some of your other issues or covers up all of your other issues, or do you spend time building up the other things that will help improve the play of your current quarterback? I would lean more towards the latter than the former. Yeah,
3: and that goes back to patience, right? That goes back to patience. You have to be patient with the quarterback position. If you try to rush the quarterback position – When the right answer is not there or the right answer is too expensive, you set yourself back again.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, look, to both of your points, there's an even broader picture here, and that is you have a new GM and you have a new coach and you're going to have a new coordinator. You were talking about the OC before being a very big deal, John. Well, if you don't have the accumulation of the draft picks over the course of the next two years, which you're going to need as you rebuild this team in their shape, what are you doing to yourself? If you wind up trading all that draft capital to get right. one or two guys, you're basically telling those guys who are supposed to be molding the future of your team that you don't have a lot of new clay to work with.
3: Yeah, you're like putting handcuffs on them. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that, so that's a broader perspective as to why you yeah. can't do it. Now, in fairness, it's those guys making the decision to trade those picks away, so they're doing it to themselves, right? They are, but they're not helping themselves a whole lot. All right, final call of the show is Vinny and the Poconos. He'll wrap us up today. Vinny!
2: Hey, how you boys doing?
3: Hey, what's up, Vin?
2: No, and I want to touch on a few things I've heard today. First, that guy that went after Sirianni. Good job at taking your team to the playoffs. And don't throw Stone's glass house And I can't believe you can even compare. Like, I thought, I agreed with you. I thought he did a really well job getting the Eagles there. Um, I agree with another point made on your show today. Kevin Galladay, you do that. That's dead money. That's our guy. Let's build around
5: yeah, them.
2: Yeah, I mean, look. Yeah,
3: Vin, you committed to him. He's it, like he's there. That's it. He's it, and they knew it
4: when they signed him. Yep.
2: Yeah, there's not a lot of wiggle room there. Nope. And I love, I love the new GM. I, I don't think it's a good time to be a Giants fan. I do think it's a new chapter. I'm glad we cleaned house because I think, just to be blatant, last five years our scouting and off season's been almost piss poor. I don't see a lot of, I think it's a lot of late actions, not a lot of moves. I do like our GM for the fact that he's going to be progressive and he has ideas. He's open to a wide net for head coaches. Let's see what that brings. But Daniel Jones, I hope when we make this move in the draft, we don't trade up like you said. We need this position. We need this guy because you're right. That's a bust. You don't do that. I would trade down, Vin. I would trade
3: down a million times before I would think about trading up in this draft. No doubt.
2: Jones is a true second-string quarterback, so I don't even know how that guy brought him in the same conversation as Russell Wilson. I, I know that's tough to say, but Daniel Jones, he's not a starting guy. He's just our guy. That's that's what it is. But we're stuck with him, too. I think logically that's what we do. This is our guy now until something else presents itself because where is that money coming from? Where What are we going to do? Well, look, well, look do, Vin, right mean, now Daniel
3: Jones has one year left on his contract if they don't pick up the fifth-year option, and then you figure it out.
2: Exactly, and I, I would just like to see the Giants be the Giants again. What happened to the, the, the front four on the defense? We used to be known for that. You came to our house. We used to break quarterbacks. Think back. We gave the Patriots Tom Brady by hurting and blood. So, and we did the same thing to Dallas by hurting and blood. So, again, to Tony Romo. We used to be a team that beat up your quarterback. Well, That's one thing you got
4: to figure out is once you get a new head coach and he brings in a new D.C., are you going to be a 4-3 or a 3-4? Or you're going to be one of these hybrid multiples. Now, Patrick Graham ran a multiple
3: base four, th- base three, four, but ran a lot of four three stuff. What do you, What do you want to do? Yeah, and I'll say this too. I mean, you know, we 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 can't confirm any of the names that are out there, but depending on who gets hired, I mean, is there a chance that Patrick Graham's back? Possibly,
4: absolutely, yeah. possibly. Well, no, depends and on that, the coach. And, and yeah.
3: by the way, that's not so bad. No, it's fine. Patrick Graham no is good. I, I, I think we know, all like Patrick I no Graham. Problem with that.
6: Well, from a continuity oh, yeah. standpoint, I think it would help.
3: And especially since the defense is largely in place, right? I mean, they've invested sure. in a lot of these positions already where, you know, you're not going to make a ton of changes on defense.
6: So if Patrick, no. Graham,
4: if Patrick Graham does return, now you have to figure out, okay, how is he going to use guys and what is available in the draft that will fit his scheme? Right. You know, that makes it a little easier because at least you know what Patrick Graham wants. Correct. A new guy comes in, you may not be 100% sure
3: what he's looking yeah, for. and other pieces on the roster, do they fit what he wants Exactly. These are all questions we don't know the answer we to. We don't. Well, and, yeah.
6: and the other thing, by the way, with respect to the defensive front that the caller's pointing out, how did they find the nucleus of that group? They found that group through the draft, and those guys panned out. So, I mean, that afforded the Giants to have depth and consistency in play up front. So right now they're trying to get back to that, but you got to find those guys in the draft. Well, they, 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 they bought Freddie Bad, Robbins Bad. in
4: free agency in the 2007 Super yeah. Bowl, and they bought Chris Canney in the 2011 Super Bowl. It's
3: Strahan, OC, but the bulk, because, I mean, the bulk, the
4: bulk of the guys, the bulk of the guys came through the draft, and those are edge one hundred percent. If you want and, a, and that's my point. If correct. you want a
3: big time edge rusher, you're probably gonna have to pick him in the first round. You don't they sure. you do know, stray but hands need, an anomaly like OC's an anomaly yeah. but if you want a if you want a big time edge Boy. rusher he's going to have to be a first round <laughs> they pick They got
4: two of the best second round picks you could ever ask for uh, in, they in OC and Absolutely. straight didn't Well, Well,
2: strong we small need, school we need guys that right nuclear. You but, said that we need that nuclear. Hell even That's Tuck true. I don't think right now we have a true leader on the field I don't think we have a stray hand that says all right guys we're down we need it. I don't think there's a guy on there that stands out and leads the pack I think we need one of them again
3: all right, Vin, thanks for the call, bud. We're close to 110 here. we got to roll. I don't think leadership on a defense is a problem. Now, do they have that, like, dog mentality? I hate the expression, but I that know. type of guy? No, but Blake Martinez is a leader. Logan Ryan's a leader. Like, those guys are leaders. Now, do they have, like, the guy with the edge like Antra Roll had, for example, or Antonio Pierce? Maybe that guy with the edge isn't there. Yeah. But I, I do think they have some pretty good leaders on the defensive side. No, of the ball. I, I think I agree with
4: you, John. I I agree with you in that regard. And I, look, we we all know that that an Antonio Pierce, an Antrel role, those guys were they were special. I mean, they they were not only terrific players, but they did have leadership skills. Oh, they and were then nasty. They, and then they also had that sob mentality. Yeah, they were nasty, foaming at the mouth kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, and they would hold people accountable. Oh, without a doubt. Look, I got stories from from the old days where guys would get pinned up against
3: a wall in the hallway. Well, yeah, I mean, that was you know that was like the eighties when. Yeah. Know,
4: yeah, they,
6: that doesn't happen wild, much anymore. Wild west back then. <laughs> It was, so,
3: <laughs> it was. That doesn't happen day. today.
6: Yes, I yeah. don't think that's gonna yeah. happen.
3: Yeah, back then, like workplace violence was acceptable. That's probably yes. not gonna <laughs> happen now. Just yes. saying. is true.
6: This is true. It's more of an execution thing than a leadership thing. I I don't really think I would worry about, you know, not having the guy that wants to run through a brick wall so everybody else could follow. And they have some of the guys. I think some of the guys just got hurt this season on the defensive side of the ball. So, you know, you can't necessarily overlook that as well. I would say
4: I, I do believe, though, that there are guys who can help inspire other players to raise the level of their play just by their actions and their intensity. I do think there are guys like that. They're hard to find, but I do think that there are some of them.
6: Oh, that you could feed off of. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. No, I think that there's certainly good examples of that, but my other claim would be I think when you get to the NFL, if you still need somebody to hold your hand to motivate you to play, then you probably don't belong in the league.
4: You hope not. You hope not but I mean, Lance, unfortunately. That's quite ridiculous. Unfortunately, we all see some guys who seem to be sleepwalking at times. And that and you don't want that. I'm with you 100%. You don't expect that the pros, but it does happen sometimes. I think
3: sometimes focus needs to be tightened when you get like late in the year sometimes and you know, you know, you can be refocused, you know, that that sort of thing. I don't believe in the motivation thing though, generally. Yeah. I think you can, you know, I think all that stuff's momentary. I think, you know, can you momentarily for one game pump a guy up? Sure. But that's not something that you can you know do every game. That's something that eventually has yeah. to be sustained by the individual. Sure it does. Yeah, sure. It, does. it has to be an inner feeling. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. absolutely. Guys, have that fire. This was fun. We have one big answer. Now the search for the second big answer oh, will boy. go next week, and we'll cover that for you right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. <laughs> all the giant social media platforms and all that stuff. I'm going to try to find a Bills guy to jump on the huddle this afternoon to talk about Joe Shane a little bit. The problem is that everyone on the Bills beat is kind of preparing for a playoff game, and there's a lot going on, so I've gotten a lot of I'm-really-busy's, so I'm working on that. Uh, for Lance, for Paul, I'm Schmelk. Joe Shane is the Giants' new general manager. We'll talk to you on Monday at noon for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live.